Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Miranda Ayim podcast. My name is Miranda Ayim, and I'm a two-time Olympian with Team Canada. Now, the conversation you're about to hear today was actually not originally supposed to be a podcast. It's from an Instagram live session that we did, but the content was so rich. It was so good. I had to share it with you guys on this platform. Now, the audio and visual quality is not top tier, but I don't think it will bother you much once we get into it. So my guest today is Sefu Bernard, a coach by training and a teacher by calling. He's worked the last 20 years all over the world, internationally and domestically, with the NBA, the WNBA, Canada basketball, NHL. Most recently and currently, he is the Director of Player Development with the Washington Mystics, as well as the founder of a youth sport initiative called Athlete Centered Experience, or ACX. In this interview, Sefu and I discuss the ideal characteristics of a high-performance athlete, the grit necessary to succeed at a high level, and the difference in perspectives between coaches and players. We also get into how to build a commitment-based culture, as well as a culture of error. If you want to become a better coach or leader, this conversation is for you. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I know we have a bit of a time difference here. It's the morning there, it's the afternoon here. Are you a, a morning person? Have you already been up doing things or are you kind of? I have. Uh, I am not a morning person, but uh, this, this, these children, they have a way of, uh, of doing it to you, force me to get up in the morning. I'm a nighttime guy. I'm two, three, four in the morning is my ideal time frame to, uh, to get it in. But uh, I was up, said goodbye to my little guys who went to school and took a half hour, jumped in the garden, did some uh, tinkering in the garden, and now I'm with you. Oh, that's nice. Well, I'm so, so happy that you were able to join me. I'm like super hyped. When I put up that we were going to be chatting tonight, uh, today, I had so many responses of people like, yes. He's such a great guy. So happy that you have him on. And, uh, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Me too. I was like, great. That completely validates my choice of guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, for people on either side, I guess, that are following us, um, who are just joining us and don't know um, who um, we are, my name is Miranda Yim. I'm a two-time Olympian with Team Canada, and I'm joined by Sefu Bernard, who is a, the Director of Player Development with the Washington Mystics. He is a teacher coach, a coach and business exec by calling, and a teacher, oh, sorry, a coach and a business exec by training, a coach by calling. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You have like the profession and then you have like the passion behind it as well. I really like that. Um, Two sides so, of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for um, people who don't know a lot about you, who don't have the pleasure of knowing you personally, could you maybe start off by telling us who you are, where you're from, how you kind of got to where you are today? I'll start at the end. Um, I mean, I got here just largely, I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, to borrow the phrase. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything that I've been able to be a part of 
everything, uh, every experience I've been exposed to is the result of somebody believing in me and maybe pushing me and giving me that nudge to give more, do more, stretch more. And so that's how I've gotten to where I am right now. Um, I have just got an insatiable appetite to learn and grow and contribute. I am originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's home. So uh, wherever I am uh, in the world, uh, Canada will always be home for me. And um, yeah, from there, um, you know, after done playing, I was able to uh, transition <clears throat> into a professional side of sport and started in the WNBA. I got my roots there late 90s and uh, went on and was a part of a great organization at Maple Leafs Sports and Entertainment, where I worked for the Toronto Raptors, the Toronto Maple Leafs, back to the Raptors. And um, along the way, had uh, spent numerous years with Canada basketball and the great coaches um, throughout the country. And that's where our paths crossed many moons ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, yeah, I've had a number of experiences all through the game, and I'm grateful for it. The game has taken me um to uh, many corners throughout the world where i've been able to sit in rooms with people who are like or greater minded and i'm grateful for it had a couple years in asia working for the mb out there and then like you touched on i'm now um back um, in the WNBA working for the washington mystics these last five six years okay man time flies i love how you started I love how you started that because that's exactly actually one of the first questions I had for you or areas of discussion that I wanted to touch on. And it also shows like your character as a person because the first thing you did was acknowledge everybody who came in front of you. And one thing that stood out um, to me when you're on Twitter and, and on your blog is you have this thank the passer hashtag that uh, has kind of created a, a movement. I think it's been around for a little while now. But um, all about, you know, giving credit where credit is due. Um, if that even goes down to, um, like, attribution on the internet, you know, these days people just be posting stuff willy-nilly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and um, you had uh, one quote there that you said that it says, sp talking specifically about sport, but it goes in all areas of life. Um, special players and special people understand the value of putting others in the spotlight they go out of their way to thank the passer that's the mm. hashtag not doing so rubs them the wrong way it offends their internal compass that points them towards the right thing to do feels selfish and deceitful and for those i should say people who aren't sport people <laughs> usually thanking the passer is when like for example if i scored a layup and i got the pass from several here I, while running back down the court on defense, I will point to him. It takes like a half a second to do, but yeah. uh, just an automatic gesture that you do in sport. Definitely basketball, I'm sure other sports as well. And it's kind of something that has just become um, part of the game. Was it Coach Wooden who started that? As far as I know, it's Dean Smith at, at North Carolina. Um, who had started it. That's as far back as I've been able to dig. I'm not sure who he had gotten it from or if it, it originated with, with him. But that became a Carolina thing. And um, they started, I believe, dating back into the 70s. And uh, I just think it's a, it's a little thing that makes a big difference. 
And it, um, uh, it's exciting to see the people who do it intuitively. And yet, mm-hmm. I think at the same time, it's something that we could and should be making um, explicit and overt. You know, the, this uh, youth program that I've launched here in Cayman, it's explicit and overt because it doesn't come naturally to the kids. Uh, and I'm not going to bemoan, you know, maybe the effects of social media, the ease of sharing something that's not your own, or, you know, maybe this orientation towards have. It's just something you can do. And um, even if you're teaching it explicitly like we do, mm-hmm. um, it then takes a life of its own. It feels good to share the spotlight. Um, and it's a little thing, as I said, that makes a huge difference. And so... I don't know, I've got like uh, my own little quirks and idiosyncrasies, but this one is is just one of those intolerables for me. Um, so yeah, you know, you read that, I don't know, you've done your work. I don't even know what year that was, it would have been posted, but I was sitting there like, yeah, that sounds right. I like that, who wrote that, you know? But I do, I do believe it. <laughs> I believe it to my fiber, to my core. Um, and I'm okay being called out on it. I have very, um, very few original ideas. I'm more of a cut, paste, tweak kind of guy. And so that's just one, one of the things I'm all about. Got to thank the pastor. I love it. And it, and it's it's so great. You talked about sharing in that, that moment, in the success or whatever. Um, and just the simple action of thanking the pastor, um, it's like an instant reward, like, reward of good behavior, if you want to put it like that. You're just like adding to and feeding into a, a culture of selflessness, which is, I think is integral in the sporting world when you're, you're operating within a team and a group where there's so many competing interests and goals and all that. And at the end of the day, the only way it's all going to work together is if you are sacrificing, giving, and, and, and putting the, the needs of the team above uh, your own. And that's what I like about you as a person. That's what I like about you when you're, you're how you display yourself online and what you write about, because you kind of dig into those little things that a lot of people miss, I think, or they kind of gloss over or we don't really talk about in sports, like those things that kind of get into the heart of character almost, which is kind of like a, a, a heavy word sometimes. Well, I love it, but sometimes it can be a, a heavy word. Bryce uh, Tully and I were just talking about this uh, the other day um, and we started to get into, you know, that triad of like it's values, skills, um, and traits. And that kind of like encapsulates who you are as a person and like different things of those can be added to and built and all that. And then we were discussing uh, how does character fit in there? Is it the thing that's overarching all of those? Um, mm. getting into like a whole philosophical <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you guys got deep. <laughs> we got deep. We always do. We always do. But I'm wondering, do you feel like there is some sort of ideal character for an athlete or ideal traits that you really look for as a, as a coach that either you want in a person coming onto your team or something that you really want to focus on? intentionally on developing when they're in your team and that team environment or one-on-one stuff? Mm. This is a challenging question and a, mm-hmm. a, a great question. I, I want to, I have to acknowledge that I've got a bias 
And that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Um, so for instance, with our, our current coaching team, we've got such a, uh, um, it's such a great environment to be a part of because we have what I call these crucial confrontations. Our head coach and GM, Mike Tebow, is just great about that. He wants to know what everybody thinks. And um, as we're going around, say, talking about an athlete, I can feel myself being drawn to a certain athlete. And uh, I've gotten better at being aware of what, it, what is my bias there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then being receptive to somebody who's challenging that thinking. Sure. Because if there's one thing I've learned over the years is that you there's there's no there's no uh quote unquote perfect team you mm-hmm. you can you can be really particular about choosing certain uh personality types people who embody certain qualities but at the end of the day that group still needs together needs to get together and figure out a way to gel yeah. to be co- cohesive around the task and you can have two good people I'll put it in quotes, who disagree. Mm -hmm. And then there's something about this capacity to uh, engage and and discuss and and the dance of the give and take. It's not a a character flaw um, to disagree, but the skill, whether you want to call it character or value, is to be able to then have the conversation or crucial competition that's anchored around a shared goal. Um, So I do think we see some similarities amongst high achievers Mm -hmm. and whether, you know, a a resiliency uh, physically, mentally, a constancy, emotionally, um, sometimes an indifference or maybe said differently, this capacity to, to block out what doesn't matter in the moment and to be able, you know, um, this ability to focus on what matters most, but some people, some athletes just have this really, uh, uh acute ability to narrow in mm-hmm. and stay with the thing that matters most and others, they just laugh at themselves and that allows them to bounce back. Yeah. So d- two different ways to get to the same, um, uh, the, the same ability to just redirect your attention. Um, and so those are some of the things that I think uh, I've, I've noticed that are shared amongst high performers, high achievers, especially at the, the highest level. But there are a lot of different ways to get there. And sometimes that's a personal thing. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question, but um, you know, that's, that's my general no, feeling around it. Yeah, yeah, because there is, there is really no ideal. I think about this all the time. And when I reflect back on all the different teams I've been on, been on and all the different people who have been on those teams um they're always just a mixed bag and when I when I talk about it's usually when I'm talking about leadership styles actually but it it touches on what we're we're talking about now um I always juxtapose Nat Achanua and myself because we have completely different personalities um, like she's really gregarious, out there, intense. You know, she'll she'll say what needs to be said in the moment, and you know, she has that intense personality, which is great. Works so well for her, and is a great addition to the team. And then myself, 
just as involved and intense on the court, but I have this like kind of like calm, zen, a little softer vibe going on, which is also a great addition to the team and is part of my leadership style and a great attribute. It's a, I don't know if you would call it character skill, whatever. Again, going back to that philosophical question, but um, I, I think despite those differences in traits, those commonalities between the two, like you, you mentioned that, that openness of spirit, that willingness to be able to work through what will inevitably come, like those tough times, those disagreements is the, the most important thing. And, and it's gonna change, like those exact skills are gonna change between uh, each relationship you have with different people on the team. Yeah, I think um, you need some nasty, like every, in my opinion, every great team has got some nasty and probably a little dirty, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I say that in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't we mask it as savvy, you know, okay. and, yeah. uh, you, you know, sometimes you, you listen to, maybe it's, let's call it the Hollywood effect, this mm. romanticizing of what the locker room looks like on a championship team Mm -hmm. and it's just not that way you know you need some grit you need in basketball you need five players who all want the rock and all think they can score and then the challenge of uh, building team cohesion the challenge of the team and the coaching staff is to figure out how do we get these pieces to complement each other exactly that's exactly. the task. That's the task. But you got to have some, you got to have some nasty. You need somebody who's going to do the, the dirt worker, um, as Wayne Embry um, calls them. You need somebody like that or multiples at times like that. Yeah. So you touched on something uh, important. And that's one of the reasons why I do not have a desire to be a coach is having to deal <laughs> with all of that. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't need that in my life and I don't empty <laughs> the coaching job doing working with all of that, but you are not only a coach, you are a coach of coaches. You share your knowledge regularly with these, these camps and uh, clinics that you do. So uh, it's a, I'm, I'm sure this is something that you, you probably touch on in your, your um, talks and um, working with people. How do you balance team dynamic? Let's put it like that. Wow. I am, I am uh, in uh, uh, what for me is a very unique position, like I referenced this coaching team. But in my opinion, one of the best to do it is Mike Tebow. So I've got a front seat to somebody who's running a master class on navigating personalities and making them work. I don't pretend that I've got it down. And every, um, every, every locker room is different. You know, I was listening, um, I was listening to a podcast recently with some football, uh, soccer football coaches talking and it was a similar type question like how do you you know get the group to come together build cohesion Mm -hmm. and um they were asking about you know your your culture and the coach uh she had said she said i don't i I don't know what my culture is going to be i haven't even met my team yet (laughs) which is with yeah which is a different um 
position to take mm-hmm. when you know where you contrast that to the you know the usual chatter which is you got to decide what your culture is in advance and then when you get your team together you tell them what the team culture is going to be mm-hmm. you know like it's something that gets imposed upon them and this coach she was saying like no my my team the personalities in that group and and her positioning was um I don't assume that who they were last season is who they were, who they're going to be this season because people evolve and they develop their motivations, their ambitions, their desires, the people who are talking to them change. And so she was saying, I'm open. I have a direction and intention, but they are going to be participants in this journey and um, defining that uh, culture. And that for me resonates true. That's my feeling as well Um, is, you know, I've got a direction and intention. I may even have a word for it. Um, You know, for instance, uh, finding an edge, something we talk about with the mystics. You know, if I say, hey, let's find an edge. We want to find an edge in everything we do. Even something Mm -hmm. like that, which is a core part of uh, a culture, you can turn that back to the athletes and say, okay, so what does that mean to you? How are we going to find an edge here? And then they start to build out the behaviors and the commitments um, and the desirables that we're then going to anchor around. But I've offered up, or, you know, as a group, you've offered up um, the, the North star. Hey, we want to find the edge. So we've got to be competitive to be in the conversation around winning a championship. Um, and so yeah, that's my approach is to recognize that there's a person behind the player and to do whatever I can to engage and connect and say, Hey, we're walking together. We're doing this together. This is not just something being done to you, that it's mm-hmm. going to be something that we're, we're going to, it's going to be done with you. Um, yeah. And so that's something I value and I try and recreate, uh, in any environment I'm in. Yeah, that's very important I feel like especially when you're you're coaching adults like grown women and um, differing from just dictating top-down that culture like you you mentioned um, but actually having people build the culture the whole team build and create this dynamic moving form that will be your identity and then I found that when that's the process you actually get much greater buy-in because how can you sloth off and like ignore um, something that you've created and that you've committed to? Because as soon as you say the words and you say like, okay, I think this is a good idea. And you know, this is how I see this phrase that you gave us. This is how we're going to integrate it. Um, you automatically take responsibility for your actions. If someone's just dictating something to you, it's kind of like, well, maybe I agree, maybe I don't agree. And if I don't agree, then whatever, it's, it's their thing. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't have to take responsibility because it's, it's on them. That's what they decided. But as soon as we make it like a group effort, even if it's directed from the top, they, that buy-in can't, can't be stopped because it's really that connection and that, that responsibility, I, I find. Absolutely. You've, got, you, you've created the dynamic of responsibility and accountability, like you're yes. referencing. And then there's no opt-out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good friend of mine, Manawatsa, he calls it building a commitment-based culture, mm, not a, like not, a be, not a behavior-based culture. 
And so oftentimes when there's breakdowns and breakdowns happen inevitably in every environment, even the, the most uh, high performing environments. And sometimes when we're dealing with challenges, we deal with the behavior. Yeah. Right? You said you were going to be dot, dot, dot versus the commitment. Hey, you said you're committed to this. Now I'm going to hold you to your commitment. How do we tell me, give me the background story and you, you go through that process of having a breakdown conversation, but it's their commitment to the team that you're now holding them accountable to. And yeah, so that, that, a, that creates a different. Yeah. It's a reminder as opposed to an accusation. That seems yeah. a lot more doable because we often forget, I feel like, especially these days, like we, we'd be going crazy online. We just forget that people make mistakes and are not, perfect human beings mm -hmm. and then when something inevitably happens we're like why did you do this why are you not perfect when really we should be almost expecting the the mistake but knowing that we can always come back and reset and you know set up different accountability measures and be open to that process so that when it happens we're not reacting we're just okay let's reset and um let's let's try again yeah i think is a huge part of the sport, like failure, coming back, mistake, how do we refocus, um, which is something I, I'm super into because I feel like we fail on a, on a daily basis in sports. I think across the, across the board as human beings, but in sports, you kind of like, you'll, you'll have your mistake uh, on replay, slow-mo, <laughs> in front of thousands yeah. of people. Which is, which is always a, a great feeling to have, but uh, what kind of discussions do you have with your players or coaches around that, that failing process and reframing the failure and mistakes? We've got, you know, we have so many different personalities, even amongst mm -hmm. our, I call it a coaching team. Mm -hmm. um, Coach T is, he's beautifully direct. And I, it's something that I aspire, you know, maybe it's a Canadian in me. Sometimes I'm, you know, I can do the dance, you know, try and be, uh, you know, and he's just, it's just, you know, he's just beautifully direct and it's appropriate for our context, our level. You're dealing, as you said, with grown women mm -hmm. and um, in a professional setting at the, the highest level of the sport. So you can do that. Um, and at the same time, that's not my style. Uh, I've got a, a directness in me, but um, I just do it differently. And I would say the same thing if we kind of went down the line with each member of our coaching team. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we've got a mental performance coach in Stu Singer, who you also know, um, Who's, who's brilliant. He's um, a core part of who we are as a team. Everything that he does is interwoven into um, the fabric of our group. And so going back to, you know, dealing with mistakes and the mistake response, that in many ways uh, is anchored by the work that Stu is doing um, group-wide with the players and also with the coaching staff and then individually with each player one-on-one -on -one. and then we get to work around it 
um, in terms of complementing the work that he's doing. And so that might mean pulling forward um, uh, ideas. You know, I, I think sometimes people treat the event, the game as the moment where you're, you know, you're interjecting and, and dealing with a mistake. You're dealing with it in video, maybe in practice. Whereas I'm like, every moment's a chance for us to develop uh, mm -hmm. the skill of having a positive response to a negative situation or an optimal response. Because sometimes your response is not always going to be positive. Yeah. But what, yeah. what's an, an optimal way to, to refocus anchor? And so uh, I try and infuse my work um, individually with what is being done collectively, um, you know, terminology, tactics, and skills. And so, yeah, everything, you know, you talk about developing great shooter. Like, this is the, the best shooters. They just think about this the skill of shooting different. Mm -hmm. They just do. They don't linger the same way. Well, that's a skill. That's a mistake response. And to your point, you're right. In sport, the highest paid athletes, you know, they miss most of the shots they take. You know, a, a great three-point shooter in, in the game is 40%. You know, you think of baseball, you know, a top hitter in baseball is, you know, 250, 300. So you're, you're having these moments of failure. If you, if we can, I, sorry, I've used the rabbits a lot. I've used these uh, more in this conversation. <laughs> I just noticed that I'm seeing myself go like this a lot. <laughs> But, I, you know, I, I want to put it in quotations because there's, there's so much words have power and, mm -hmm. you know, thoughts are things. So whether you use the word failure or mistake or, you know, just a missed shot, you know, it has to do with how you perceive what took place. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So developing, um, uh, Doug LaMob calls it this culture of error. You know where you're 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 embracing uh, the mistakes that come and adapting, and then as a coach, you're anticipating right, where where might be the place they're going to struggle, and then you're coming up with ways then to help them navigate um, out of that by anticipating what's taking place. Um, I just find and uh, this relates to where I'm at with our group by just taking these things on head on, acknowledging the elephant in the room, it mm -hmm. creates space for somebody to stretch and be like, okay, I'm in a safe place right now. I'm still being held accountable. My feet are still being held to the fire. And we're, we're but we're not gonna pretend like, and at the same time, we're, we're, I'm not gonna get jumped on for every little thing. Um, and so there's a bit of an alignment around how we handle mistakes, what things we let go, what things we don't let go, when, where there's consistency and maybe constancy uh, and emotional constancy, even as a group for how you handle mistakes. Yeah. Um, which I think then anchors all the work you're doing individually with players um, around um, where they direct their attention and their energy. Yeah, absolutely. This is such a fine balance between that that freedom and an accountability that even, you know, on a, a personal basis, whether you, you let a mistake go or you feel like you need to be like, no, like, get the next one. 
Mm -hmm. there's always like and I think I feel like it also depends on the day for me or what's been going on I kind of have to regulate my response because maybe one day I'm I'm kind of slacking off a little bit and I do need to hold myself a little bit more accountable or another day where I'm like you know maybe I'm just coming back from a road trip you know physically mentally exhausted um and it was an understandable mistake maybe that's not the moment where I need to be like no you need to do this and push through sometimes you know like when it's game time you do need to push through and let's let's do it but recognizing how time ebbs and flows and and understanding different emotional uh, states i think is important a to even recognize what you're feeling that's 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 the number one state because sometimes we don't even realize what's going on and we snap snap and or we descend down a, a rabbit hole in the middle of the game before we realize oh maybe i i need to kind of refocus my attention here, which is why some of the work that Stu is doing uh, with your team. And uh, we have Bryce with our team, um, mental performance coaches are, are so helpful in the world of sports, just because those seconds matter. Yeah. When we're lost, worried about what just happened and, and totally not in the next moment, the next action where we do need our, our full attention to, to perform Opt optimally or to respond optimally yeah. and and you touched on something equally important is that the coaches do that as well you guys work with Stu as well you guys work on your game as well because you are part of the team you're interacting back and forth between the team uh, and you carry a, a heavy burden a, a load of that uh, performance as well which as me as an athlete, I didn't pay a lot of, uh, of attention to <laughs> very many years of my career. I'm just like, oh, they're there. They, they say things every once in a while and, you know, they help me out. But I wasn't very curious about what went on on the other side. But be, getting a little bit older, talking uh, to more coaches, you know, having more conversations and then just like being more curious, um, you really realize the, the burden um, and the, the work that goes on behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. Here in France, we have Shona Thorburn, who was our uh, former um, yeah. PG for the Canadian national team. So she's my assistant coach here. Um, so went from teammate to, to coach, um, which is a, a fun process. Always great to, to be with her. She still plays with us sometimes. Oh, yeah? When we don't have enough people, you know, and like maybe there's an injury or, or something's going on and she has to lace up, you know, she dishes a few uh, assists here and there. And I'm always like, oh, man, so good. So good. She, she hasn't lost the touch yet. So it's so nice. Um, but I'm wondering, as you made that process, that transition, rather, from player to coach, um, for those people who are watching who may be uh, uh, coaches, I saw a few um, sign on who are. Um, how was that process for you? What was maybe one or two of the biggest or most blatant or most memorable lessons that you, you learned in that, that transition of just switching from a player's mind to uh, a coaching mind? I'm probably gonna answer this different than most. Oh, I've yes, always, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've always, um, I've always felt that my strength was 
seeing the game through the player's eyes. Mm. So cool. it's still it's still my orientation. Like, like I'm I'm seeing how they're experiencing from their vantage point still. And um, just that ability to empathize is, I think, what I, I bring. Um, and there was a while where I tried to, you know, subdue that, maybe hide it. But now, you know, I just embrace it. This is the value that I add. Hey, you know, maybe she's thinking or, you know. Um, and, and so I, I think it helps. I, I, I like to think that I'm thinking from the perspective of a player and I'm relating to what's being done from the perspective of the person, the player, the learner. Um, and so I think there's something to that, that, that all coaches can benefit from. Um, so I'm going to jump around a little bit, maybe tie back into something that we discussed earlier and something you'd shared. Like I, I, I believe uh, Pat Riley used to call it, uh, called it in his book, the curse of knowledge. When I read it, it just like, it just kind of stabbed me in the heart. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and it's this, um, you can take it in a lot of different directions, but to me, one of the things that happens, I think, is we transition in life from our youth to adulthood is mm -hmm. we see things where we are and we've forgotten about the process of learning. Totally. And so as coaches, we're like, well, you know, he should or she should be seeing bop, 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 bop. Yeah. Right. And we're comparing our finished product to their work in progress. Yeah. And we expect them to see the game in HD like we do as coaches because we've been studying film and hours on end. And yeah, the best players study film, but they never study as much film as a coach does. They're mm -hmm. still looking at the game in analog. They don't have this, you know, this, um, this rich, you know, and plus they're performing. They're in the heat of it. So their vantage point is different, whereas as coaches, we're zoomed out and we're back and we can see a, a bigger, more broad picture. And we have to remember this. We have to remember the limited capacity that each player has. It's, it's, it, it varies based on age, experience, and a number of factors, but we just have to remember that they're not seeing what we're seeing. Or what they're seeing, it, they have a different point of view literally and figuratively, you know what I mean? Like even yeah. right on court in action is a different point of view. And so they're seeing things and each player has a different capacity to hold on to information and to see uh, more of the picture. I think it's really important. The other one to your question, you know, as a coach, everybody's performing. It's not just the athletes. Mm -hmm. that are going through um, a high-intensity um, experience. As coaches, we are too. We carry our own weight of expectation, and we are responding, right, wrong, or otherwise. We're responding to the gravity of the moment. And yeah. the same thing we're asking of the athletes, we have to ask and work at ourselves, which is keeping your feet on the floor, you know, staying in the moment, not carrying things forward, not anticipating too far ahead, understanding how what I do triggers. So this is the thing sometimes as coaches we forget. 
is that yeah. we can trigger an athlete to go to a place that they might not have gone themselves. They might have been dealing with the mistake and all of a sudden you're like, Miranda, da -da 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 -da, and, then, and then all of a sudden now you're on that downward spiral. Meanwhile, you were probably, you might have been working through it and yeah. you were adapting. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. because we're feeling the gravity of, of a mistake, we pass that energy on to the player and boom, now they're yeah. off. And then yeah. it becomes this, this uh, chicken and the egg because oh, she's not capable of keeping her. And you know, someone's like, well, I triggered that, not her. You yeah. know, I was the one. And so that's something I think um, as coaches, we need to work at with intention. Mm -hmm. We need to get the reps to uh, be aware of how our emotional state, how our words, good or bad, can, um, can help or hurt an athlete's mm -hmm. performance, as, as well as our performance, like where are we placing our attention? Yeah. You know, am, I, am I with that ref? Because I wanna let that ref know that, you know, meanwhile the action's going on over here, or am I capable of shifting and placing my attention on the team the next thing? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's the thing that's so fascinating about basketball and sports in general for me is that there's so many different things going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. You're already in a group which <laughs> ups the complexity of a situation a hundredfold. You're making split second decisions. The endorphins are pumping. So we got energy levels up. Um, stimulation levels up, um, maybe anger, <laughs> you know, passion, like all of this, you're trying to regulate literally your physiological responses while trying to make split second, really precise decisions while um, making sure that your relationships between your teammates and your coaches are going on at the same time. It's like a microcosm of life, but like heightened 10 times, 100 times over. And that's, that's the fascinating thing about sports for me. Like I've always said, I've, I've never been a ball is life type of person. I'm not like, oh, sports is all I want to do all my life. <laughs> it's cool if that's you. Like it's, it's just never been my thing. I love basketball and I love it more each year just because I see more of the intricacies within the sport. And that's what fascinates me. Everything else that's going on below the surface. And then like we kind of talked about when we, we talked uh, briefly before this IG Live, taking those moments and then uh, extrapolating them and comparing them to, to life. And then having all these random philosophical thoughts about like, oh, this is a perfect analogy. <laughs> part of life and then we just get yeah. lost in those, those moments i i love i love those those moments um but i would love to touch on a little bit on uh what you're doing right now uh you're currently in toronto right no or um home for me is the cayman islands grand cayman cayman islands oh, that's that's home base for me uh, we moved back here in 2015, and so I've been here, and like everyone, um, just navigating through the pandemic, and um, for me, the, the challenges, the blessings, and the, 
I'll use it loosely, the curse of working remotely. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, Cayman is, is home base for me. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I did see the time, the time zone that uh, was marked. <laughs> Obviously, I was like, oh, Cayman, cool. Is that where your family is originally from? No, we are all... Uh, <laughs> We're Toronto, Toronto based. So we left Toronto and um, first moved to Cayman. And we were here for probably about six years and then left here to go to Hong Kong. We based out of Hong Kong for a couple of years mm -hmm. and then um, ended up back in Grand Cayman. But um, we're all Canadian, my son included. But it's funny, he spent all of, I don't know, only a couple of weeks cumulatively over time in, in Canada. So he has these moments and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm Canadian. I'm like, yeah, but you say Toronto. So, uh, are you really? Toe with a T. I was yeah. trying to that to my uh, French my French teammates, you know, because they're like, how do you how do you say Toronto? Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to say it real aggressively. So you're working from home right now, um, with all the blessings and curse curses that go along with it. Do you have any projects coming up? Um, I know you you like to talk a little bit about what you mentioned before this um, group project that you're putting together. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, so I'll let you uh, oh. use your. <laughs> <laughs> you're all good. I um, I like to describe it as like a six lane highway. I've got a, a number of different things, but we're all uh, going the same highway. So my main thing is the mystics. And yep. then to complement that, especially this time of year in our off season, um, I've launched a passion project called ACX Basketball, uh, stands for Athlete Centered Experience. And it's a youth focused initiative, um, U15 and down. One of the lessons that I learned as I was traveling um, and interacting with a lot of European coaches is this, they flipped the pyramid, they flipped the paradigm on its head and they said, hey, it's, we got to put the best coaches at the youngest level, whereas mm -hmm. the very Western North American model is to keep the best coaches at the top. Yeah. But then what that, uh, the question that came up for me from that is, well, what does the best under eight coach look like? What is the best under 12 coach look like? What are the characteristics, the qualities, the skills, um, mm -hmm. the posture that, that of a coach that's working at each of those different levels um, look like. And so ACX basketball is just that. It's um, locally in Grand Cayman, the, the, the bent um, and the bias is to create access and opportunity for kids to play. Um, beautiful island, but there's still some challenges giving kids the opportunity, uh, girls mm -hmm. especially, but also many boys, uh, an mm -hmm. opportunity to play. And then bigger than that is to now build a framework for coach development that says to somebody who just is, you know, is coaching that U18, you know, here's what it looks like. Here's the skills you need to have. Here's some ideas for creating your learning environment, for engaging, to really anchoring around, um, as I heard Todd Bean, a soccer football coach, calls it, you know, joy and learning, you know, mm -hmm. everything we're doing. And so um, that's what I've been working on, both of those two things, uh, a local initiative that's got global ambitions. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. That's really, really interesting just because all those different developmental processes 
that are going on with each different uh, age group. And then you have to adapt those characteristics of the coaches to, to each of those. That's, that's mm -hmm. quite a project and it sounds really incredible. And I, I wish you all the luck with it. Um, I follow ACX on, on Twitter and, and I'm loving <laughs> your posting over there. Um, where can we follow you um, online? Not offline, that would be creepy. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> um, the benefits of having a unique name, as you know, is that you can own your digital real estate. So you can find me on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter is where I'm most active, um, and Instagram at Sefu Bernard, S-E-F-U-B-E-R-N-A-R-D. Um, I don't, uh, I don't, inst or I don't, t uh, what is it, TikTok, I don't snap, not yet. I, 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 I need your energy on my Instagram game. I'm kind of uh, struggling with it, but I try and share uh, as much as possible on those places. Um, for those who um, are youth sport driven, ACX mm -hmm. basketball, and for those who are on the high performance side, they can find me at the lab, T-H-E-L-L-A-B-B is um, where I share some more ideas for um, people who are working with more high performers or looking to go deeper. Um, my framework for that is, is depth over breadth. And so, those are the three places. Yeah, I would really encourage anybody who is watching or who will watch this later to give him a follow because he always posts gems. It's always insightful and thoughtful. <laughs> and and uh, we, we all need more of that on our timelines, I think. So thank you, Sefu, for being with me today. We're going to have to do this again sometime because I had so much fun. Um, and just enjoy the rest of your day over there. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs>